Welcome to Faith and Family. I'm Andy Bates. One of my favorite topics to cover on Faith and Family is vocation. And uh, we're going to cover that topic today from a unique perspective, a pastor's wife perspective on vocation and and that, that unique vocation of pastor's wife. We have a wonderful uh, panel lined up in the studio today to uh, to discuss this this gift of vocation and what it's like being in that, that, that role of pastor's wife in just a moment. Thanks to our underwriter, Concordia University, Wisconsin, for supporting this program. You can find out more about them on our website, kfuo.org. Look for the CUW logo in the sponsor section. As mentioned, we have a wonderful lineup in studio today of guests to help us look at this this vocation of pastor's wife uh, in studio today, Becky Filipek. Good morning, Becky. Good morning. Thanks for being our guest this morning. And Carrie Ill. Good morning, Carrie. Good morning. And Nicole Simic. Good morning, Nicole. Hi. And Sally Hendrick. Good morning, Sally. Good morning. So uh, wonderful to have you all in studio this morning. Thanks for being my guest. Can't wait to learn your stories. Now, we, we run the gamut in terms of, of years of experience as pastors' <laughs> wives and locations and that sort of thing. We'll start with Becky. Tell me a little bit about yourself and uh, and your pastor as well. <laughs> um, I grew up here in St. Louis County, and my husband and I met when he came to Concordia Seminary. He did fieldwork at our congregation, so we met in his first year of seminary and got married only eight or nine months later. And um, he graduated in 2009 and we served for three years on Long Island, New York. And we have been in Florissant, Missouri now for the past four years. And you're at Salem Lutheran Church, is yes, that right? Yes, we are. Salem Lutheran Church. And this is uh, just, you know, one of those wonderful gifts of the, the fieldwork program at Concordia Seminary. Thanks That's be to God right. for that, right? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, for folks listening outside of the the, uh, the St. Louis area, both uh, Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, uh, St. Louis and Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne have uh, fieldwork programs. We have field education uh, programs where students who are studying at the seminary uh, also serve uh, in a congregation within reasonable driving distance of that, that congregation. So he was serving, doing some field education at a parish here in the St. Louis area. Where were you at the time? Where was he doing this? Um, our Redeemer in Overland. My parents still go there. Wonderful. And um, we have four kids too. Very good. They so are nine, seven, five, and three. So when you're not at uh, the radio studio for KFUO talking about uh, being a pastor's wife, what do you find yourself doing? Well, I homeschool our kids. So a lot of reading and a lot of enforcement <laughs> and a lot of um, disaster cleanup. <laughs> so that's, you know, the life of a mom. Four kids. What are the ages? Nine, seven, five, and three. Boy, girl, boy, girl. Wow. So you do stay quite busy with homeschooling then? Yes, I do. Wonderful. Well, looking forward to learning more about your vocation as pastor's wife. Carrie, tell us a little bit about uh, you and and your pastor husband. Okay. Um, My husband, Peter, and I have been married for 10 years. We met working at Camp Luther Haven at a Lutheran summer camp. Um, Same place where I met my wife. Yes. (laughs) His wife and I actually work together. Um, He's been a pastor for six years. We're currently at our second call at Trinity Lutheran Church in Millstop. Before that, we were in Chester, Illinois. Um, And yeah, I'm a teacher. I teach preschool and middle schools all on the same day. So it's kind of a long, busy schedule. (laughs) 
I didn't realize you taught both preschool and middle school. The middle school's new this year, but yes. Wow. <laughs> and we start school tomorrow. Go Mustangs. <laughs> <laughs> and you're here today. Yeah. <laughs> That's so kind of you. <laughs> Nicole, tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and your pastor husband. Oh, my pastor. He's an okay guy. Um, my husband, Brett, uh, just got out of seminary at Fort Wayne a year ago, and we are currently at Hope Lutheran Church in Jerseyville, Illinois. Um, and we grew up together, my husband and I. Um, so we are high school sweethearts. Um, it's a wonderful love story. And we... I used to be a preschool teacher until I stopped teaching to be at home with my wonderful 18-month-old boy, Joel. And I currently am registrar for Higher Things. Um, You should send your kids to Higher Things. All right. (laughs) (laughs) So so Brett just, as you said, just got out of seminary. Just got out. We're newbies. Yeah. (laughs) When you say just got out, it sounds like he was like doing time or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was. He was... Doing time in the seminary, which is just like prison. So. No, I'm kidding. Just, just kidding. We loved seminary. It was seminary is definitely a gift to us. Um, the friends, the family, they are family. We love the seminary. So wonderful, yeah. wonderful. And Sally Hendrick, Sally, tell me a little bit about uh, about yourself and your your pastor husband. My pastor husband, because I have another pastor, too. (laughs) Okay. I met my husband at Concordia College, junior college, back in Austin, Texas, many years ago. We've been together almost 50 years. We've been married 43. We have three children and three grandchildren and a son-in-law and a daughter-in-law. My husband has been in the ministry for 38 years. We've served, or he has served four congregations. I've supported him through those four congregations. I'm trained as a Lutheran teacher. I retired to raise my family. I went back and taught a few years, worked in a tax office for 10 years, and now I am a professional volunteer. (laughs) I volunteer with LWML, with the hospital auxiliary. Um, I sing in a chorale. Perry County Lutheran Corral, and I just generally keep busy with all the work. We have a rather large congregation, so there's a lot of work. Indeed, a a, a large congregation, a historic congregation, too. Yes, yeah. yes. my husband says every time, the manger of the Missouri Senate in Perryville, <laughs> Perry County. So how many of you were with your husband through seminary? I, Nicole, you said yep. you were together through seminary, yes, Sally, yes. through seminary. We got married right before seminary. Right before seminary. And you met while he was in seminary. (laughs) So let's see. He was a field. What year was he when you met? Um, Well, he had just started. So he he was in his first year. And so we got married at the end of his first year. And then we're married through the rest of seminary. Ah, so you experienced Vicarage together too then. So everything but that first year. Right. Well, we were together then, just not married then. Yeah. Wow. So everybody is ex- here has experienced seminary as well. Now, uh, did you all, let's see, you met in Austin, Texas, Sally. Yes. And then where did you, how did you get from Texas to seminary? Oh, wow. that That's a very long story. We don't have time for that. <laughs> to, to give you the shortcut route, um, my husband was in preparation. He, he went to the boarding school and everything, the high school at Concordia, Austin. 
went through the junior college, went to senior college in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and dropped out his senior year, which was during the time of the Vietnam War. Hmm. So he joined the Army rather than be drafted. We got married while he was in the Army, and we spent two years in West Berlin, Germany. And then when we came back, he decided... Well, he needed to know what he was going to do, and he decided then to go to the seminary. He finished college while he was in the Army, and he went back and went to the seminary in Springfield, Illinois. Wow. So you lived in Germany for two years. We did. It was wonderful, and I got to teach school over there. It was was great. Wow. And so at at this point in time, were you a Lutheran teacher? I was, but not in Germany. I I taught in the military school over there, but I had been trained as a Lutheran teacher, taught in Lutheran schools before going over to Germany and after we came back. Wow. What a neat story. See, that didn't take two hours. (laughs) Well, yeah, but there's a lot in between. (laughs) (laughs) So what was... So, so for all of you, then life before seminary was uh, either married life or, or single life. But the seminary, for the most part, it involved you as well. What was life though? You you knew your husband or were married before ordination. What was life like before ordination? What did you think? Uh, what did you anticipate would be ahead? What was life like before ordination? Beck? Well, when we met, I was only halfway through college myself, so. Mm-hmm. We were both students together that um, <clears throat> second year of seminary for my husband, and then I graduated, and then uh, we had our first child, and then moved to Vicarage the next day. So wow. <laughs> um, we've we've kind of always done everything at once. That's just kind of how we roll. But um, so I was learning how to be a vicar's wife and a mom at the same time, and so that was kind of a tough year for me. And that's where I learned a lot of stuff that a pastor's wife should not do and say <laughs> to her husband. And um, so thankfully I learned that then and not later when he was a pastor and it got more stressful. Isn't that what vicarage is for though? Isn't that a learning experience? Yeah. I think yeah. so. Yeah. Totally for the wives. For, I don't know to- what it is for the husbands, <laughs> but that's what it is for us. Yeah. Life before ordination, Carrie. Um, I mean, I was working full time the entire time through seminary. I, Frankly, I put my husband through seminary mostly. Um, so when we were first married, I was basically the breadwinner for the family, which was, I think, a unique, not unique for seminary-wise, but mm-hmm. unique perspective in general. Um, and it just meant a lot of long days, a lot of long hours. I was in my first years of teaching. Um, so we were, I mean, our first year of marriage was my first year of teaching, which is also hard. Um, I have all, and, all that curriculum to learn. Yes. <laughs> so it was just... It was just difficult that way. Um, But through seminary, I mean, we had a lot of friends. We made a lot of friendships. um, So we also had a lot of outlets. Um, And so I, before he became a pastor, one of the joys of seminary, it's frustrating too, one of the joys is all those friendships Mm -hmm. that you are able to develop. And so that was something really interesting about his seminary years that I guess I just didn't realize wouldn't continue as much through to the, when you became a pastor, not that we don't have a lot of good friends and things around as well, but you don't feel that same sense of community as you did when you were in seminary. And so I guess I was expecting more of that. 
Sure. Seminary is a very intense time in life. It's a, there, there's a lot of studying and just a, a lot going on at one time, all packed into those four, maybe five years in that time. And, and you all are in kind of the same boat, so you have a lot in common. So I, that makes sense that there are a lot of bonds that are formed, a lot of relationships that are formed during that time. Nicole, life before ordination? Um, well, I mean, Brett and I had the opportunity to visit both seminaries, even before we got into a seminary. So uh, before Brett attended a seminary, um, we actually kind of have a unique story with that because we attended St. Louis. We attended Fort Wayne. We were sitting in the seminary at Fort Wayne, and we kind of had a feeling of where we both wanted to go. We wrote it down on a piece of paper. We handed it to each other and thought we were going to St. Louis. And before we knew it, a few months later, we were packed up driving to Fort Wayne. So um, talk about God's plans. You think you know, but you don't. You have no idea. Um, Moving away from my family for basically the first time being going to Fort Wayne um, because we're from the St. Louis area, it was hard. And I was terrified and I didn't, I mean, I was scared. So, um, Mm -hmm. And then now going to Fort Wayne, I'm like, wow, I miss Fort Wayne so much. <laughs> like, just the, like you said, Carrie, the friendships you make is just, God puts those people in your life for a reason. And when you get out of seminary, it's not there anymore. It's almost the complete opposite. And, um, but seminary was probably, I would say those are some of the best times of my life. And even before, I mean, I went to undergrad and yeah, that was fun, but seminary, that, that was awesome. The friendships we made are irreplaceable. So, yeah. Sally, life before ordination. Now, you shared a little bit yeah. uh, before you went to seminary. You were in, in Germany, but uh, that time through seminary and, and preparing for ordination. Well, I concur with the other ladies. Seminary relationships, the bonds that are formed there are so special, and they last They do last. Some of them may fade away, Mm -hmm. but they'll come back even, some of them. Um, Just this coming weekend, we're going to be going, we're in Minnesota with friends from the seminary, dear, dear friends. Mm. That bond, we've gone on cruises with them. We we continue to have those relationships. Those are important. But I remember, even though it's been eons ago, what it was like when we left the seminary and went out into the into the field, into the harvest field, and thinking we will never have relationships again like we had at the SEM, and and that we miss that. And I think the congregations really, really try to welcome you and make you feel at home, but there's that bonding that you had at the seminary that's difficult to be replaced. When you when you worship in a, in a chapel at the seminary, and you hear all the booming voices and all the people confessing their faith together. It, well, now I've got goosebumps. It, it is just, it is just indescribable, and and you want to hear that in your congregation as well. Sometimes you do, oftentimes you don't. It's it's not quite the same. Um, but the preparation time for going out in, into the ministry was mm-hmm. was exciting and wonderful, and we had so many opportunities. We had a great vicarage. And we we met so many wonderful people that are still friends. It, it was just wonderful. It was a great experience being at the sim. So all of you have had uh, 
were able to build up and, and enjoy those those great relationships that uh, that you that were forged at seminary. Um, what about things like uh, social media and the internet? Do they help you stay in touch with those friends? Absolutely. Yes. 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 That, that certainly helped you maintain those relationships and keep in touch and, uh, and and hear about what's going on in their lives. They didn't have social. I know. That's what I, was <laughs> I mean, but now we do keep up with it. Sure, sure. How did you stay in touch in, in the past? Letters. letters. Actually wrote letters on paper, pen on paper. What is that? Or, or phone, <laughs> or phone <laughs> calls, you know. But back then, even you didn't make a long distance call unless it was necessary. But yeah, we would call, we would write, mm-hmm. and even when you don't keep in touch with each other, it's like that best friend. You can be years apart from each other, but the minute you talk to each other or or are together, it's mm-hmm. like that time evaporated and, and you're back to where you were. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it is with some friends. Sure. And I have some friends like that from college because I went to college before we had, you know, the, in- well, I think the internet was just getting its, <laughs> its, its footing about the time that I was in college. Um, but you know, we didn't have social media. We didn't really have email until uh, until I was out of college. About the time that I was finishing up college was when we started getting email. I know. <laughs> Keep going, please. <laughs> but you know, I've used that to stay in touch with friends. But certainly, social media has has helped me stay in touch with mm-hmm. what's going on in everyone's lives. Uh, because you're right, we didn't make long distance calls all the time. Uh, that wasn't until later when long distance started to become a, kind of a freebie with with cell phone service, and then you start making calls. But I have those friends that uh, you know from college where you can pick up right where you left off, uh, and, and I'm grateful for those. And that's from you know my time preparing to become a DCE, not necessarily as a pastor. So. <laughs> But I understand that the similarity there is that that you're all going through a, a similar program. You have something in common, and that's where those. I think that's one of the things that that really strengthens that relationship. Because as you have something in common, and you're gathering together around God's word, as you pointed out, Sally, in in chapel, gathering around God's word and, and singing uh, those hymns together and confessing together. That's very encouraging and similar to my memories from from college as well. What. Uh, did you have goals in life before ordination that uh, maybe were were have changed or set aside that are uh, things are different now? Uh, you know, I know Nicole. You said you were thinking, "Oh, we're going to go to this seminary," but we ended yeah. up at this seminary. Um, but personally, did you have goals or have an idea of what you thought uh, you would be doing as pastor's wife? What your 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 duties, your what, or maybe education goals or work goals or things like that, or family goals? Did you have goals uh, in mind before that have turned out differently, or maybe what you exactly what you planned? Well, before I met my husband, I didn't think I'd ever move out of the St. Louis area. So that mm-hmm. changed when I met him. And um, honestly, I would go anywhere with him, family near or not. But uh, I know my family doesn't want to hear that. <laughs> were, you, were you kind of the first in the family to move out of the area? Yes, I was actually. And um, I have two sisters and two brothers and I'm second in the lineup. And so I'm not even the oldest. But um, yeah, I was the first one to move out of the area. How has that worked out in terms of family well, gatherings and family life? thanks to modern technology, like we were talking <laughs> about a second ago, I mean, it makes things so easy. You can video chat with each other. It's not even just mm-hmm. emails or sharing pictures. You can be with each other in live time, just not, you know, next to each other. But um, 
So, so that changed, um, being willing to move pretty much anywhere. And um, I didn't really have high expectations for myself as a pastor's wife of being super involved with things because we had children right away. And so I knew that for at least a number of years, I would be busy with small children, which is a task enough in itself because as the pastor's wife, especially if he's the only pastor in the congregation, you're the only one sitting with the kids every Sunday morning. And so, so actually when he goes on vacation, it's a treat for the children to sit with their father and then they sit yeah. really nicely. And it's, <laughs> it's actually weird for me when he's in the pew, yeah. cause I'm so not used to it that it, it took me a couple years to get the feel of how then he's trying to <laughs> instruct the children, which is differently than I do during service. Uh-huh. And so it's, it's just hard. <laughs> so, so that's a big change. And and Mm -hmm. worship is not the same when you have children and their father's not sitting right there, but he's in the front. Sure. So that can make for interesting Mm -hmm. toddler moments. How does that work? They want to run out of the pew. Yeah. Well, yeah. When they see daddy and yell and and run toward daddy, how does that work out? Um, Well, with our first one, he would always be trying to crawl under the pew in front of us and get to his dad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's when I only had one to juggle. And somehow he kept sneaking away from me. (laughs) I don't know how I let that happen. But um, the others, because they have the oldest example, um, are pretty good about not running to dad except for during the children's message they like to sit on his lap and and that sort of thing and during communion they're always grabbing and hugging his legs Mm -hmm. and and that sort of thing and i'm trying to get him to stand back up straight because i'm trying to teach them some reverence it's not easy (laughs) thankfully though we do have an elder and his wife who do not have children that sit at the end of the pew and so they are at least the buffer (laughs) at the other end and um we didn't have our daughter Bethany until about a year after we got to Salem. And so she's been there the whole time and they have sat there um, with us almost the whole four years that we've been there. And so, I mean, she prefers to go and sit with them rather than sit with me, which is, which is fine. <laughs> Gives me my hands to help the other ones. So <laughs> Having those, those uh, extra loving arms in, uh, in divine services, uh, is appreciated, it sounds like. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> Carrie, what about you? Goals or, or plans before that might have changed or maybe have worked out how you'd hoped? Well, I grew up a city girl. Um, I always grew up in the city. When we actually moved to St. Louis for seminary, my first thought was, wow, this place is small. Um, <laughs> so we definitely requested, our vicarage was in the New York City suburbs in New Jersey, which was amazing. Um, we loved it. Um, and we definitely requested to be, get a call to a city. And then we got put in Chester, Illinois, which is a small little town in Southern Illinois. And we liked Chester, don't get me, but it was just, it was not what I expected. I had always lived in the city. Um, And so just the small town dynamics are something very, very different. Yes, they are. Yeah. Especially if you didn't grow up in a small town. Yeah, didn't grow up in a small town. Um, And there's there's something to be said of people are very friendly, but if you're not from there, you'll never... (laughs) you'll never really be be from there. So, um, like I said, it was a great experience living in Chester. Millstadt is also a very, it's a small town that's in a 
bigger area, but it still acts very much like a small town. So it's it's an interesting shift and different thing. But yeah, I I expected maybe not to go back towards where I'd grown up near Chicago, but to at least be in a place with more people <laughs> and more job opportunities. And fortunately, I've had some wonderful teaching jobs and that's all gone really well. But just just getting used to a small town has really taken some getting used to for me. For a city girl a to city get girl, used yeah. to, to being in a, in a small town. <laughs> Nicole, how about you? Plans uh, um, before? Well, uh, like I said, I, well, I went to River Forest, Chicago River Forest. Um, Concordia River Forest, I guess. And so you go four years and you think you're going to be a teacher. So that's what, I mean, that's what mm-hmm. my goal was. You go four years, you get a degree and, um, you know, being in a seminary, it's hard to have a job, uh, a teaching job because one, if they find out that you are in the seminary and you're only going to be there for a year, they're like, well, we don't want you. Um, and then vicarage, you're only there for a year. And thank goodness um, on vicarage, we had a wonderful teaching opportunity um, at Trinity Lutheran in Davenport, Iowa. Um, amazing. It was amazing. Like to actually be in a school teaching and I've only taught one year. So I don't know. That was hard, you know, to, to not be working. And, um, now I stayed home and I am with Joel and it's an absolute wonderful job. But, um, sometimes I'm thinking, am I wasting my, am I wasting my degree? Am I, you know, should I be doing more with it? And, um, you know, again, God has his plans for you and you think you have your own plans, but you don't, it's just whatever, you know, thankfully it's mm-hmm. not my own plans. Cause Good Lord, where would I be right now? <laughs> um, so yeah, I definitely thought I would be working. Um, I'm staying at home now. I never thought that I would be playing a bigger role in higher things. Um, and I am. So God, again, had his own plan. And this is amazing. Like, I love being a part of higher things. It's a dream come true, really. So uh, very important to our family. Um, and to be honest, 10 years ago, did I ever think I would be a pastor's wife? No, never. <laughs> I wasn't even Lutheran. 10 years ago. So um, I was Catholic. I was raised Catholic. And here I am on a Lutheran radio show talking about my pastor husband. um, (laughs) And I'm a stay at home mom. So yeah, things have changed. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little bit. Just a little. Sally, what were your your plans? Did you did you have plans before you met uh, Tom? Well, I went to school to be a teacher. Yeah. (laughs) And I was going to be a teacher and I was for several years. And when we started having a family, which was on Vicarage, then I stopped teaching and um, just wanted to be a great mom and a great wife, a support for him. My goal in life was always to become a volunteer. And that may sound strange, but my mom instilled in me a great sense of volunteerism. And I thought, someday I want to be able to just volunteer at something I love. And I have to say, I've reached that point where I can volunteer now and do the things I love, most especially with the LWML, but I have many other avenues and I I enjoy that. So I've been given those opportunities and I relish them. 
Wonderful. Well, we need to take a quick break. We're actually over time, but we'll we'll take a quick break. When we come back from that break, we'll continue our conversation with pastors' wives on uh, their vocation and the, the opportunities they've been given. You're listening to Faith and Family on Worldwide KFUO. Concordia University, Wisconsin, and Mequon overlooks a half mile of beautiful Lake Michigan shoreline. CUW campus is located 15 miles north of Milwaukee with over 70 undergraduate majors, 28 graduate degree programs, and doctorate programs in pharmacy, physical therapy, occupational therapy, and nursing practice. CUW offers online learning and accelerated learning at one of nine Wisconsin centers and one in St. Louis. Traditional or accelerated education, CUW has the program for you. CUW.edu. This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. If Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry had gotten their way 19 years ago, the person described as the world's best woman's gymnast would have probably been aborted. Simone Biles and her sister, Adria, were born to a woman with serious drug and alcohol addictions. When the biological mom lost her parental rights, Simone's grandparents adopted the two girls and put them on a much different path. Simone is a three-time reigning world champion gymnast, winning gold in Rio. There have been countless Americans who had incredibly challenging beginnings that became amazing people who did astounding things. Don't let the abortion industry mark a person as worthless. God has plans for every baby conceived. Just give him time to reveal it to the rest of the world. For more information, visit our website at lifeissues.org. And stay informed, more informed than you've ever been. God's word is our great heritage and shall be ours forever. To spread its light from age to age shall be our chief endeavor. I'm William Whedon, LCMS Director of Worship, inviting you to be sure and join us as we romp through chapter after chapter of the sacred scriptures, rejoicing in the salvation that's ours in Jesus Christ. Join us. Thy Strong Word, weekday mornings at 11 on Worldwide KFUO. Underwritten by Lutheran Heritage Foundation, lhfmissions.org. The Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, on behalf of Concordia Plan Services, Lutheran Church Extension Fund, the LCMS Foundation, Lutheran Housing Support Corporation, Concordia University System, and Corporate Synod, daily reaches out to our members and partners, working together to support our local, global, and international ministries, church workers, and LCMS initiatives at large to carry the mission forward and to serve each other in love. Opportunities to serve, lcms.org slash jobs board. Hi, I'm Grace Kane, a junior at Lutheran High School South in St. Louis. Every day, I can grow in my faith with Christian faculty and other young believers. Together, we grow in the challenging academic environment at Lutheran South. Thanks to my school, I'm ready to not just go to college, but excel in college and throughout the rest of my life. Have you checked out Lutheran schools lately? Learn more at lhssstl.org. That's lhssstl.org. In 1924, we embraced the new technology of that day. Radio. Since that day, we've stayed on the cutting edge of technology. There are many easy ways to listen to Worldwide KFUO. On the air, online, and on demand. 
We proclaim the gospel of Christ in both word and song. Now that's why you should listen. The where and the how, well, that's up to you. The messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO. Worldwide KFUO has been listener-supported since 1924, teaching the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection for our sins, and witnessing to the world about God's mercy. We are on AM850 in St. Louis and a click away 24 hours a day at kfuo.org. If you have questions about donating, you can email us, gifts at kfuo.org. Welcome back to Faith and Family. I'm Andy Bates. We are talking with pastor's wives today about this uh, gracious vocation of being a pastor's wife. Before we went to break, talking about uh, expectations and goals uh, or plans made before uh, going out into the field as as pastor's wives. Now let's talk about misconceptions of uh, <laughs> misconceptions either that you might have had before uh, becoming a pastor's wife or misconceptions that others might have about the pastor's wife. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about those. Let's start. Oh goodness, where should we start? We'll go. We'll go back over. We'll start with Becky again. Misconceptions about the pastor's wife. Um, well, I don't really have too many pastors in my family. Mm-hmm. My dad's a pharmacist, so I mean, we grew up faithfully going to church, but um, I had no idea what life in a pastor's family would be like. So I didn't really have too many expectations. Um, but I've read different things of how, um, well, and I suppose different congregations might have different expectations based on what previous pastor's Mm -hmm. wives have been involved with. And, um, well, what congregations need to remember is that every pastor is different and has his own personality as well as their wife, if they have one. (laughs) And, um, she might not be good at playing the piano, so maybe she doesn't want to lead Sunday school worship time or, um, so so those kinds of things is that every pastor's wife kind of finds their own niche. Mm-hmm. And when you are the mother of small children like me, it might take a couple years to really be able to even find the niche at all. And so I help out with VBS and that's about all I've done in the past couple of years. I sang in the choir um, on Vicarage and at um, my husband's first call. But now that we have four kids, it's just been really hard. They're they're getting almost to an age where I think I could do that again. But um, yeah, right now it's just um, trying to be a faithful churchgoer mm-hmm. and be there every Sunday, provided somebody didn't get sick on Saturday night <laughs> or Sunday morning. Like I've never missed so much church in my life as being um, the mother of small children. Because my parents could split duties mm-hmm. and take the well ones to church, and I don't have that luxury, so those sorts of things. It, lots of germs when little ones are around, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Misconceptions about the uh, the vocation of pastor's wife. Carrie? Um, I guess for me, um, one of the pieces of advice I got when we were in seminary um, that I have not taken, um, the piece of advice I got was that... Um, being a pastor is your husband's most important job, and you should always drop all of your family stuff, no matter anything that happens in church. Um, I got this from a fellow pastor's wife in seminary, and I have not taken it because um, 
I mean, I've been told about people who are okay with, they don't care that we spent $1,000 prepaying our vacation. Somebody got sick, so we're not going to go. Um, and that's not me. <laughs> um, travel is one of the things I like to do. And I think spending time with my husband, who I don't, even though we don't have kids, I don't see him <laughs> enough, um, is important. So I think, I guess, and I don't know if it's an expectation from congregation members or just from pastors and their families that have kind of put that pressure on the church comes first all the time. Um, so I know I and my husband, we work really hard to say, no, we have a lot of vocations. Being a pastor is one of them, but <laughs> I'm his wife, he's my husband, and that's that's mm-hmm. important too. Um, along with a couple of other things, I am musical. I do like enjoy music um, and I do play the piano, but I don't play in church. A couple of times people have said, well, don't you want to learn organ? And I say, no, because I do not want anybody asking me to play organ at church. So I refuse to learn to even play the organ because I'm always have that little bit of fear that somebody's going to ask. <laughs> Misconceptions. Uh, Nicole? Yeah. Um, so even going into seminary, um, I had the probably common misconception of what a pastor's wife would entail. Um, That being you play the organ, you are at home 24 seven taking care of your children. And there's a hot meal for your husband when he comes home (laughs) and your child is perfect at church. Um, You are not funny. Um, (laughs) You are not sarcastic and you, um, you should do anything your husband needs and anything the congregation needs. Um, that's what you should be doing, similar to what kind of what Carrie was saying. And um, getting there, I, I, I mean, if you know Nicole Simic, you know she is funny. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. <laughs> um, she, I, I'm very sarcastic sometimes, and. Um, Every congregation we've been to has just been so willing and so open and loving towards us, so kind and so generous. Um, One of the things that I didn't know was how hard it would be to make friends outside of seminary. Um, One of those things being, I think people are really afraid to really be themselves around their pastor and their pastor's wife. And I'm a very social person. I need friends so if you want to be my friend, um, <laughs> please be my friend. Um, and it's been really hard. Jerseyville is a very small town. Um, there's not that many young people in our congregation. And it's so hard to make friends. And I think people think that they just can't be themselves around us. And But the truth is, we're normal people. You know, our husbands got this exceptional call from God. Um, But that's very important to hear the words that I just said. Our husbands received a call. We did not receive a call to um, be pastors. So that's our husband's duty. Um, That's our husband's call, capital C even. Um, So for me, my vocation is to be the wife, to support my husband. Um, And then to be a member of the congregation, but just to be a member, just to be a normal member. So whatever other members are putting forth to the congregation, that's my call as a pastor's wife, or that's my call in my vocation as pastor's wife. My call is not to play the organ. My call is not to do, you know, be the director of VBS. That's not my call. My call is to support my husband. And then as a Christian, I need to be a member of my congregation. So... Sally, misconceptions? I didn't realize until hearing you all that 
most churches want their pastor's wives to play the organ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Our first congregation, it was like, wow, we have a new organist. I'm going, wait a minute, I don't play any of this. Right. <laughs> I can hum for you, and that's about it. <laughs> so, yeah, that was an expectation, and the, and the VBS and the Sunday school and all the other things. It's like you're coming as a package, pastor yeah. and his wife. They're going to do everything, especially in a smaller congregation. His first call was to a very small congregation. As the years progressed and we went to different congregations, um, people began to know me for me, for Sally first. And I always teased and would say, I'm, he's my husband, I'm not his wife. So, you know, they needed to know me as Sally. And then I happened to be married to the pastor. Uh, the people have been very gracious over the years. Our, our congregation now, being a large congregation, is the first time that people, many people in the congregation, look to me as Mrs. Hendrick, and I've not had that at other congregations. They they honor me with that respect. Uh, they feel like that's my due that I'm Mrs. And I want to say that's great. I enjoy being Mrs. Hendrick, but I'm also Sally, you know, and know me who for who I am. And they do. And and it it takes something on our part as a pastor's wife to impart that knowledge to people. You know, I have my own personality, I have my own likes and dislikes, and I have the things I want to do in the in the congregational life. And I'd be happy to serve in those areas, but don't expect things of me mm-hmm. that I don't want to do or can't do. I'm a member of this congregation like other members. Right, right, right. And so yeah, I have unique gifts and talents that may or may not include playing the organ. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or may or may not include uh, leading vacation Bible school or a Sunday mm-hmm. school class. I, I might enjoy it. And if I have those gifts and talents, great. But... I might not have those gifts and talents, and so that might not be the place. I might, you know, be really good at at accounting, so I might be able to help in in some other way, um, accounting children, <laughs> <laughs> accounting for children, children who crawl away under the pew. <laughs> so, so th- there are certainly misconceptions, some that that we, you know, that that you had yourselves, and some that the congregations have. But working through those, it sounds like there was a common three common theme in working through all those. And that was both uh, graciousness on the side of the congregation and graciousness on your part as well. Um, everyone being gracious and forgiving and and uh, loving toward one another, it sounds like. Mm. What are some helpful things that you've learned that you'd like to pass along to pastors' wives? Let's, let's start this way and work our way back oh, wow. down. <laughs> <laughs> what have I learned? Um, well, there's been a lot of years, 38 years in the ministry, um, <laughs> I have learned that I need to see people with the eyes of Jesus. I need to look at those people, the ones that really get under my skin, more importantly, those that get under my husband's skin, and see them with the eyes of Jesus. And And I need to remind myself of that several times daily. Um, we are all, we are all in the family of Christ. And that has helped me become more accepting of people, um, understanding that just because people don't do things the way I do them or or act the way I act doesn't mean that they're wrong. I just need to see them with loving, gracious eyes. Um, 
What was your question again? <laughs> <laughs> and, and things that you've learned that you would that, that you would want uh, future pastors' wives to know. Just to be yourself, be yourself, love the Lord and love His people, and support your husband in any way you can. All right, very good, Nicole. She's my hero. <laughs> I've, known, I've known her for an hour now, but <laughs> she's my hero. So, <laughs> um, hmm, that's a hard one. Um, yeah, be yourself. Um, don't get caught up in what you might think a pastor's wife is supposed to be. Um, right now, the biggest thing I'm struggling with is learning how to be a member and be a pastor's wife, because those are two things that are very hard to do. Um, so just support your husband and, again, try to see people through the eyes of Jesus. That's a very wise thing that was just said because um, as your husband has all these burdens that are put on him, you want to fix them for him. You want to say things that maybe you will know you just can't say and um, you want to help him and be there for him. But again, it's his call and you cannot do those things. So in seeing those people for sinners and that Christ died for them like he died for you. So, um, you know, we're all sinners and we're all have our, we all have our problems. We all have things that we like and dislike, but, um, you know, be gracious. That's all we can do. Carrie. Um, along everything they said is spot on. Um, and so I won't repeat it again because I could just repeat it exactly again. Um, I guess another thing I'd say is, um, don't be afraid to get involved with things outside of the church with other organizations and and people who don't necessarily always see you as a pastor's wife sometimes that is super refreshing just to be able to go somewhere and and start to develop relationships with people that you're not their pastor's wife and that's okay and they don't treat you always like the pastor's wife um and so being in the community and part of the community and with people who are just different is good as well. So I, I guess my biggest thing is don't tie yourself up so tightly into the church that that's all you have. Well, that I, I would think that also gives you a chance to be a faithful witness in the community yes. as well. Being involved Most in the certainly. community is certainly valuable. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Becky. Um, some of the things that I've learned, um, there's a lot of joy and a lot of sorrow um, for the pastor in serving the people in his congregation. He's invited into the family's lives um, in ways that, I mean, I only know a fraction of it because people are not always so open about sharing what's going on with them privately. But one thing that I guess being the pastor's wife is some of them do feel comfortable sharing things with me. So there's lots of things that I know that maybe people in the congregation don't. Um, we've had people come over to our house and sit on the couch and just talk with my husband and not mind that I'm there. Um, so there's there's a lot of joys and a lot of sorrows. Um, even the joys come with sorrows sometimes. And um, I know a lot of young seminary wives are really, really optimistic about things, but you really need to be comfortable with everyone's got heartbreak going on for them somewhere and just try to make home as peaceful as possible. 
That's that's those lessons I learned on Vicarage. The things not to say. <laughs> Don't say if I wanted to be a single parent, I would have been. Don't say that ever. <laughs> Don't do that. I did that. I feel really bad about it. Don't do that. Um, and um, shoot, and then I kind of lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> so yeah, helpful just, advice. Sorrows. There's yeah. a lot. It's been a really hard year for my husband. Um, there's been a lot of turmoil in branches of the family, even with divorce and cancer and and not being able to come home and not think about problems because we've got to talk about what's going on in the family now has been really hard for him. And so hmm. just really pray for him and be a comfortable place for him to come home to. What have been some of the joys in, oh, Sally, were you going to add something? I wanted to comment on something. Um, I don't know how it actually fits in, but when my husband was in the military, he was with the um, Army Security Agency, basically a spy. And um, (laughs) so there was always the need to know. If I didn't have a need to know something, he was not allowed to tell me. And that, that goes throughout all the branches of the military. That was good training for me as a pastor's mm-hmm. wife. I want I want our congregation, and I hope anybody listening, I want you to realize the pastors do not go home and tell their wives everything. No. We don't want to know. Unless we, have, unless we have a need to know, we're not told. And a lot of the congregational members will think that we know. Right. They'll think that we understand what they're going through. They'll... Or they'll even feel bad thinking that we might know what's going on in their life. And they need to realize that we don't. Unless my husband will always say, if it's something that he thinks that person might want me to know, he'll ask, do you mind if I share this with Sally? I'm I'm kind of known as a prayer warrior in our congregation. Mm-hmm. I enjoy praying for people. And they generally will say, no, by all means, go ahead and tell her. Or... No, I'd really rather you not tell anybody. But that lets the people know when he asks, that lets them know that he doesn't automatically come home and tell me everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why it's also hard sometimes to be a supportive wife because we don't know exactly. what our husband has just had laid on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we just have to kind of trust that the Lord's going to guide our actions toward our husband. Sure, you may only see one side of something that happens in a meeting. You may not know everything that happened in a conversation, in a private conversation outside of a meeting or outside of Sunday morning. You may only see something and only know half of the the story. And so I'm sure it it can be challenging at times. But uh, again, that's where you you have to trust that, that... God gives you the grace to to be faithful in your vocation and, and, and to be gracious too when needed. What uh, we have just, oh goodness, just a few minutes left, uh, just a couple of minutes. Uh, one joy that you've had in being a, a pastor's wife. We'll start down here with Becky. Um, one joy? One jo- I just know, one. Just one. Um, one thing, um, people are loving and wonderful pretty much everywhere we've been. And that there's some wonderful, loving Christian people in the LCMS, and I'm very proud to um, have been in the congregations that we have been in. Wonderful. Carrie? This might sound trite, but food. People are always giving us food (laughs) and fresh produce. I love all the fresh produce we get. So that's one of the greatest. That's not trite at all. Yeah, but we always get great, amazing food and produce. So I appreciate that. I know some of the cooks in that congregation. I know some of the food that, yes, yeah, absolutely. 
Nicole? This might not make sense, but my marriage. Um, because we're so surrounded in Christ, um, we we see the bad side of things. We see the good side of things. But, and it might be because my husband's a pastor. I don't know. But we pray together every day. Something I would have never done had I not been Lutheran, had I not had my husband. So my marriage has just been such a blessing from God. Um, the struggles, the joys, um, the things that have come from it have been absolutely amazing. So I'm very thankful. And yeah, that's my joy. Sally? Well, actually, what all of them said, <laughs> the food especially, I like that. <laughs> but it, it's the, it is the sharing in the life of our congregation together. Um, I've never had that opportunity to be with my husband in a congregation where he hasn't been the vicar or the pastor or field work student, you know. Um, well, I have a few years before he got into the ministry, but it, I love being able to share the joys and the happiness as well as the sorrows of the congregation with him, to be at the funerals, to be at the weddings, to share in the baptism joys. Um, as a member of the church, I may not get to do that in a big way, but as the pastor's wife, I get to share in much of that, and I love that. How many times you you get to uh, to be there and and witness all those those joyous occasions, mm-hmm. those weddings, and and to be there and be a part of the the, the comforting process too, right. and the grieving process in those funerals, yeah, those those special moments in other families' lives that you get to be a part mm-hmm. of. Wow. Well, thank you all for sharing your stories today and your willingness, your your graciousness uh, of uh, sharing your stories here on Faith and Family. Uh, I am I appreciate your time and your your candidness about being pastors' wives. We have just about um, less than a minute before we wrap up. anybody want to anybody want to say hi to as we wrap up? Uh, we've only got a few seconds. I'm pretty sure that my children are listening. So. <laughs> Hi, David, Miriam, Jacob, and Bethany. I love you. <laughs> Anybody else? Carrie? Hi to Trinity Lutheran School. See you in school tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Nicole, Sally? So many. Hi to Perryville, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> Who listens to this? I, bet, <laughs> I need to know. I, bet, a lot of I bet Joel's listening. I mean, at home Joel's right now. probably listening. Hi, husband. <laughs> Hi, mother-in-law, father-in-law. I Old love family. you. <laughs> well, thank you all for being my guest today. It's been a pleasure to talk with you. Our guest today, Becky Philippak. Thanks so much for being my guest this morning. Thank you. And Carrie Camp, or Carrie Ill. <laughs> she anyway. she was, <laughs> Carrie, thanks so much for being my guest. Thank you. Nicole Simic. Thanks. And, and Sally Hendrick, thanks so much. My pleasure. Coming up in just a little bit, Thy Strong Word, you're listening to Worldwide KFUO. Listen to Faith and Family Monday through Friday at this time. Faith and Family is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is needed for Faith and Family to continue. Our address is 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can contact us on the web and download Faith and Family at KFUO.org. Worldwide KFUO, on the air, online, and on demand.